0: It'd be like that sometimes. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're here. Well, again, thank you guys for being on the podcast. This is the first interview we've
0: done. Yes. that was very nice. Oh, thank you. You guys are awesome. You guys are very awesome.
2: Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now,
0: why are you degenerates? And are you degenerates in, like, other spots in your lives? Or is it, like, just for role-playing in d d Uh...
2: (laughs)
3: Cisco,
2: can answer that.
0: Um, (laughs) So,
3: this was came all together, you know, group people or whatever. And I kind of was like, what kind of explains us as players in D and D? And it seemed that we were just all degenerates when we role played. Um, (laughs) Like we're very just raunchy, or you know, we'll do anything and everything. Uh, We'll piss off the DM. It's you know, we'll throw them through loops. It's just kind of who we were, and thankfully, DMs like Steve and stuff like that are very uh, nice about it. And oh. uh, I don't know if you ever seen any of our games. Uh, we have a lot of unique characters that come in there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so, that's, that's just D&D. And yeah. yeah, and, and I, basically, yeah. I basically choose my characters to be unique. I, play, I think my first normal character was with Steve. I'm playing a normal, verbal, regular circle of the moon druid. That's it. Very classic. So I, I
0: guess we're just kind of dodging the question about being a degenerate in other parts of your lives.
3: Oh, uh, no, I'm not dodging what? that. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been, uh, I'm just kind of a loud, obnoxious person. I'm a very outgoing extrovert most of the time. Uh, I guess been a degenerate that way and going out and um, I used to do a lot of stupid things. Just... uh, I mean...
1: Yeah. Be God, (laughs) things like that. Or become
0: him.
2: Well, we actually started playing in the military. Mm. So if you know anything about military behavior, uh, there's nothing off the table in those games. Oh, I'm sure. So, you know, it kind of comes from like you think of like the most you know, raunchy grotesque stuff you see in like critical role <laughs> and times ten and that's what you see in the military. So I think that's just kinda with the nature of being in the military, you get some degenerative qualities. do now let... I oh.
0: I think I think it is I think it is important that we bring up that we are recording this on Memorial Day and we want to thank you <laughs> for your service
3: to this country. Oh Thank respect. you. Uh, yeah thanks for me <laughs> and Steve are both vets uh at this point now. Nice. Uh, long luxurious nice. hair. <laughs> uh, what branches?
2: Um, I was in the Marine Corps, and then I switched over to the National Guard, where I met Cisco. And that was
3: a uh, full time National Guard uh, for the state of Illinois. Okay, so Steven's the badass one.
2: <laughs> and no space force. You'd, no you'd, space force. You, I wish, I wish. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be surprised how, uh, how good Cisco is at hand to hand combat.
1: <laughs> I would certainly hope so. Does uh I guess being good at hand to hand combat, uh of course I have done martial arts as a wee lad. Um, nowadays I'm pretty sure that if you spilled soup on me I'd apologize to you. But uh, do you ever bring that do you ever kind of bring that into your roleplay? Do you prefer to do like a much more like descriptive roleplay when it comes to
2: combat? Um, I'll say the few times that it's happened as me as a DM, I'll explain because both me and, and Cisco here have been doing martial arts. We both wrestled. Uh, we're both blue belts in jiu-jitsu. have been doing yep. it over five years. We've both done Muay Thai. We've both boxed. Cisco's done legitimate MMA. So when it comes down to like actually doing it in the game, there's been a few times where grappling has got brought up as me as the DM. And I will get into like your pass and mount. You'll do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Additionally, um, we're working on a subclass um, called the Helix Monk. Where we actually bring in real-life training that you would do, so so levels of exhaustion are a thing. Training every day is a part of RP. Um, you know, using certain techniques like grappling and submitting people is a thing in this new class. So we've actually brought some of our legitimate martial arts into the monk. Where it's sometimes the monk is like, you get a thousand hits, and now we're kind of trying to break down like, well, why do you get a thousand hits? Is it because you're more proficient at punching, kicking? Uh, You know, calf kicks are, like, a huge factor in fighting. We're going to bring that in. So we are working on a few things we've been playing with as far as real martial arts in D&D. Do
0: you think you're going to change up any of the rules around, like, grappling or restrained or replacing attacks with one of those actions? Because a lot of people think that in most cases, rather than going into like, tackle and grapple someone, it's just more effective to hit them with your weapon or, in the case of a monk, your fists. How do you think you're going to work around that?
2: It's actually pretty tough because everyone is so used to... Well, there's, like, kind of two things that happen. One, when you first... Like, when the first player first grapples another character, they think, without reading the rules, like, oh, I got him, he can't attack, he can't do anything. Mm-hmm. But obviously they can still attack and everything, and nothing's... Nothing changes other than you're half, you're limited to speed. I think just like,
0: in a real so, fight, if you've got someone locked in, they can
3: still like throw an elbow or a kick something yeah. to try and get out. Yeah. Which yeah. I think, and then I was going to say, I think the grappler feet helps you with that too. But yeah. if you can incorporate it into yeah. a class, yeah. something like something specific to a monk, I think it'd be really cool. And then mm-hmm. you think about, uh, me and Steve being grapplers before there's little guys out there that can grab out, grapple big guys. So you oh, could yeah. even you could even incorporate a dexterous grappler versus a strength-based grappler if you want if we wanted to go down that road. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think with the Helix Monk, I think if if you can take like you can take certain paths, you can take, um, you can take a grap more of a grappling path, and then that will give you an advantage on grappling anything up, like one size larger than you and below, and then it also gives you advantage on pinning it as well. Obviously, if it's a dragon or like a you know a larger character, you're not going to grapple. Right. I mean, that just makes sense. I would
0: love to see the monk get a dragon into a headlock and just like hold him down, and it's like (laughs) I've got this like two foot part of your neck pinned. You're obviously. (laughs) That's a great
1: visual. That is a wonderful visual. (laughs) So I guess kind of keeping with the homebrew. um, Actually, I remember when we. I don't know who it was. uh, Was operating the account when we were doing our 10k live stream um that's actually how we met you guys was somebody was doing was was talk was chatting with us in the comments um and actually said that they had just come from uh, t- uh homebrew play testing um how much homebrew do you guys do and how much do you test it because we do a decent amount of homebrew we don't test it.
0: i mean we
1: theoretically <laughs> test it <laughs> We go through several people. We don't play
0: it at the table.
2: Yeah, that's it's like a tough t- – testing it is a tough thing. So when I'm making something homebrew, I will literally play it out with five different characters. I'll use my – I'm a DM for a group. And I'll play every single one of those characters and bring it in. And, like, I'll try to, like, attack like I would and play like I would and see how it work. But honestly, it doesn't work as well as you think because the players know their characters in and out. Mm. And additionally, they'll play it a different way than I ever play it. So I find out that if you can just write what the general theme of a homebrew, like, why are you doing this homebrew? What's the uh, origin of this homebrew? And you like, stick to the core of whatever it is. You'll generally come out on top, not even playtesting it that much. Obviously, mm-hmm. I, talk, I talk about one class that I hate, which is Circle of the Moon Druid it all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like my least favorite is, class. But I relate, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I talk about that because it just seems like it wasn't thought out and then it's just thrown out there and it's blatantly obvious that you get 380 hit points at level 7 and, you know, there's a lot of these things. But other than that one instance, I actually do like a lot of the rule structure in 5e. So I, I, I in, in my opinion, if you stick to standard array and you look at um, picking whatever two things you want to be proficient at or whatever the book says, you can be relatively balanced so you can beat whatever character you want, um, as far as a balance standpoint goes. But if you're talking about like homebrewing new things, <clears throat> I don't play test as much as I used to play test. That's
0: fair. That's fair. We we our methodology. We go through. We create. Like I, I come up with a self-class, I run it through Sam, he puts it through the grinder, gives it back to me, I put it through the grinder, and then we have a couple of our uh, friends that we play D&D with that tend to go through. And by the time we are through that entire process, and then our final process, like editing for like grammar and misspellings, because we do that a lot, and making sure that features that are somewhat similar to other things in the book have similar terminology so that we're not missing anything. By that point, we yeah. found that it's for the most part, balanced. You yeah, might be just off base, yeah.
3: but... Yeah, and the DM can always, you know, balance it out and be like, hey, it's it's a little strong. Let's just tone it back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're working on right now with the Circle of the Moon Druid between me and Steve is that since I'm playing one, and there's other things that are coming future of the game, but the one thing I'm working on is looking at the other Druid classes and how their special abilities work. Uh, i think we're going to tone it back to one shift change a day it's going to be an added feature besides being a part of the shift change it'll be one cr whatever high higher shift change a day but you'll still have your lower shift changes that you can do
0: okay So, so make your so making your wild shape more of like your one big I'm putting all my energy into this thing but you can still become like a cat or yeah like that. and we had no,
3: talked you. about it. it was like the 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 other shift changes they're basically nothing they're used for utility only if you ever if you ever even think about it it's like you get cr1 at what level three or six or something like that on a regular druid and you're like cr1 monsters are useless by your time you're level six so yeah
0: other than just like a couple that are just a pool of hit points to be taken away.
3: Yeah. If you get in a sticky situation situation where you're like, okay, I need to turn into a bear just to take a couple more hit points while I'm running away kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. All
1: right. All right. So, uh, kind of getting into your guys, you, uh, TikTok and other creative processes. So like we mentioned, there are two of us and, uh, there's three of you. There's three of you. <laughs> yeah. We use a lot of brain power just existing. Existing. <laughs> um, little, what is kind of the creative process for any of your uh, any of your your medias? Because obviously we know you have TikTok, you have uh, Twitch, I believe correct, and um, yeah. YouTube.
3: YouTube. Yeah. You, yeah. The whole array. I
1: have I have your list here. I just had not
3: put it up. It's all right. It, it's all it's basically all social platforms. So we're still working with the trovo and getting that started and twitch youtube are the main two live stream ones and we do post to them that way people can go back and watch what they want and then we got spotify for podcast which steve is rolling with the podcast mostly uh or strictly steve right now and then we have um twitter instagram and the tiktok obviously always always the
2: tiktok yeah yeah so it's kind of, we have like a really strange ecosystem. Basically, Chris uh, and Cisco handle all the TikTok and almost everything else. We're all together on Discord running games for people for free. It's, a, it's basically a strategy. We're going to do everything for free to get as many people as we can in there to build our community. Um, and it's, it's been working out for us. We've had a lot of good games. And then I do uh, podcasts because I enjoy talking about the nuts and the bolts. And I like talking about like the hard issues, uh, the you know the soft issues. Talking about critical role, I like talking about um, like like yesterday I just watched most of um, Stranger Things, the new season. And if you haven't seen it, yeah. it's like the best D and D commercial you could ever see. It's 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 amazing. But I like to talk about that with people. So I really don't like to tick to do the TikTok that often. It's mostly Cisco and Chris. And Chris is probably what I would say, like, the epicenter brain of it all. Mm. And then we just chime in with, like, our ideas here and there.
0: Interesting. I, I, I will say, I watched the first season of Stranger Things. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Vecna looks just very nice. Vecna.
2: The Vecna storyline is, it, it's, it's like it's like they did such a good job because it makes you feel like, uh, well, first of all, they ha- I don't want to say too much, but they have, like, a they, they show a game of D&D, mm. And it's like the most epic. It's like the game we all have. Like we have those moments where you're sweating because the character's about to die, mm-hmm. and the DM is just like, "Oh, this might not go good." And then you have those moments where like you you kill somebody with like ten hit points left. So they they really capture that in this season, and then they really capture what it feels like as if Vecna did come into our real world. So both of those things for like D and D players is like, dude, that's that's what we want to do. Yeah. We want to we want to see that. So it's pretty cool for D and D. It's,
3: it's kind of like and. When they... uh, I was, to say, oh, was kind of, I was to say it was kinda of like when they brought uh, Detective Pikachu Shoe and uh, played that in the real world if you're a Pokemon fan. That's how <laughs> yeah, I felt yeah, when I yeah. watched that. Yeah. I was like, Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> exactly. You can all just take a moment and respect. <laughs> Thank you. So with your with your Twitch stream, as I'm between the two of us, I'm more of the the video and content guy. Mm-hmm um how what what method do you use for your twitch streams would you want are you are you almost exclusively digital like through the computer and recording like a discord call or a zoom call would you want to expand it eventually to like everyone around the table with full-on battle mats and like nice production or are you just going for the fun of it uh
3: it yeah i go think ahead, steve you can go first i
2: was just gonna say i think like cisco and everyone knows me like I'm the type of person who will, who will make the entire battle map by hand and set it up. Um, I don't want to turn the camera around. But if, you, if I turn the camera around, you'll see I have, like, piles and piles of dungeon mats. I like it to be as high as quality as possible. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're still working on trying to do that via Twitch. Like, we have Foundry. That looks really good. I use Roll20. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I think for me personally, this isn't... RPD as a group, but for me personally, like my dream is to have our in-game or, or live sessions to be all streamed like live. But right now, the strategy is to get as many like high quality high quality players online to play, mm. and it's kind of a shame because they're like we have some really really good players online, like some play we have a Pathfinder player named Reese, and she was playing with us, and I was like blown away how how good she was just at the game. Mm um but we don't have them live so like for me like it's live is always less than i feel like for whatever reason because i make these dungeons i make these maps it's all live i can see it right here but on the flip side of it we've had like really good luck with some of these online players mm-hmm. and it's like it's almost like there's really good in one sense but really bad in another um so to not answer your question <laughs> isn't holy yet
3: uh, i agree with steve is that we would love to be like critical role where we all come together in person And do that Mm -hmm. but to find a local group that would within the state of illinois within a couple hours or whatever to meet once a week for people for you know people at our level we all have full-time jobs we're all busy we all have uh, most of us have families i don't know Uh, a lot of people have kids like steve has two kids and like i said earlier i have three and to get somebody to dedicate you know one day a week you know full full tension it's really hard uh to have a family that's okay with that and you know we're not we're not we're not rich voice actors we can't just fly around everywhere (laughs) so sadly sadly, not yet we will be there it's gonna happen i won't be a voice actor because i got this nice monotone voice but i got some crazy rp i can do out here Hey. Be the next dry eyes commercial. There we go. There we go. There we go. But yeah, we would like to have that. But our online stuff's good. It's mostly just one shots online right now, and and I think Steve's working on a short story too for people to come in. And we are streaming those one shots and those short stories and stuff like that because our main storyline is only played once a month. Like I said, we all have families and busy and stuff, so it's we're really just falling on the one shots more now and then as we get to the point where it's oh, okay it's time for it's time to actually be more focused on that uh, a story plot um we'll have to decide when it comes to that
1: we we understand that because we have completely opposite schedules and have, very much and have time to film uh this tick sessions and do the podcast once every two weeks basically yeah um, we could
0: probably do it more but uh, it literally, it's like his lunch break at one o'clock when I've been awake
1: for two hours.
0: It's like, all right, I guess we're filming now. Yeah.
1: But shifting gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned, obviously, you've watched Critical Role and uh, Stranger Things, you said, with a great commercial for D&D. Um, yeah. What do you see, if anything, because of all the media that's around D&D in like the last 10 years? Uh, mm-hmm. I guess, what do you see as how the community has changed or what you see as the issues in the community that pop up around because of these, um, of these medias? Cause Stephen, I know you said you liked getting into the nitty gritty with things on like you do on the podcast though.
2: <clears throat> just- yeah. So I've, I've actually talked about this to every single guest and, um, I don't know if you're familiar with how to be a great GM on YouTube. His name is Guy. Um, How to be a great GM. He has like 250,000 followers on YouTube. He's worked for Wizards of the Coast a few times uh, for Descent into Avernus. Um, But I had him on the podcast, and he has been playing um, since, I think, when Dungeons & Dragons first came out. He's a little bit older. Um, But he's worked for Wizards of the Coast. He's worked for Pathfinder. He's won. They used to do D&D tournaments where you could go to a convention, and you would go for three days, and you would, like... Someone would watch you play. You got 10 minutes to create a storyline, and then someone would watch you be a DM for these players, and they would judge you on it. And he's won like 10 of those throughout the (laughs) years. So I asked him this very same question, and he was saying that with this, with Critical Role, obviously Critical Role is like the catalyst for Mm. it. But now you have Vox Machina. um, You even on Key and Peele. If you watch Key and Peele season one, they Mm. do a Dungeons and Dragons bit. Um, you've watched the last ten years of all this popularity come up. Um, and now some people are saying like, "Oh yeah, there's this Matt Mercer effect, and some like the old school guys are saying like, there's maybe this friction with all these new school players, but I think that's all going to go away. I think this is just going to go up from here. I think the more people that know about d and d and how fun it is, I think it's just going to be an uphill trajectory. I mean I, I personally, I think critical role is one of the greater things to come out of entertainment in a while. And my wife, who's never played a game, has watched all of Campaign 2 and is in Campaign 3. Ah. And there's people who don't play D&D who are watching Critical Role. Mm. So I think I think it's just going to go up from here. I, I think it's a very, very good thing. I think it's a good time to be in D&D. Mm. Um, I can't wait till 6th edition comes out because I just think it's going to be a better version more and more. Um, so that's my personal take on it. And I've asked everybody that question, and everyone has varying opinions, but... Um, looking at where it came from, with first edition to now, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much bigger than it was, you know, back oh, in the yeah. '80s. So, I think it's a good thing. Now,
0: <laughs> well, now you talk about sixth edition. What do you think of this upcoming 5.5 refresh that they're doing? Have you looked through like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, Multiverse of, uh, oh gosh, Monsters of the Multiverse? I almost said Multiverse. <laughs> That's a
1: different thing. I got Doctor really.
0: strange on the brain, but uh, how, it yeah. seems like they've been training changing a lot of their game design elements, focusing things a lot more on like the proficiency bonus number of times a day for features, limiting them and from short like getting rid of a lot of short rest abilities, making them long rest but more uses sort of thing. Do you, do you think a, a, a sort of halfway refresh is warranted, or are you just looking forward to like a whole overhaul of the system?
2: Here's, so I've, as a DM, I went through like a huge roller coaster on all this. I personally like when the game's really tough, personally. I like it when you have to account for having arrows. I like it for when um, you don't know if you're going to make it through a a scenario, so you might have to run. I like it difficult. So when I see that the monster is a little harder in, you know, the multiverse, like they were in Edition 1. Like, the first edition, um, and this is from a guy that I talked to, he said in first edition, there was no giving max hit points for for level 1. Like, if you're a wizard and you got one hit point, all DMs in the 80s were like, you got one hit point. If you, you know, if you die, you die. I don't care. So, I actually like that type of game. Now, that being said, I don't think you should run that type of game with new players. Like, not even a little bit. It should be super lenient with new players, First-time players or, you know, whatever, you should have, like, give them max hit points for the first three levels, kind of ease them through it so they can have fun and learn it or whatever. But as far as the the um, new book with the monsters that are a little harder, they get more layer actions, it looks like. Um, a lot of things are now long rests instead of short rests. I personally like it as a DM because, as any DM knows, when you set up an encounter for people and they just run through every encounter after encounter after encounter, it doesn't seem to challenge them in 5e. Mm-hmm. It gets a little frustrating so you have to homebrew your way to make it more challenging in 5e so i think this is their reaction to that i'm not sure but i think this is a reaction to it so i think it's overall from a fundamental standpoint of the game i think it's a good thing
0: and I, do you think that ch- that challenge problem is still an issue when people play like i don't know circle of the moon druid for example yeah it's,
2: yeah circle of the moon <laughs> it's it's i mean there's there was one point and I always shit on the Circle of Moon Druid, but there was one point where Cisco's character was possessed by a ghost. Mm. And I was scared because now the Circle of the Moon Druid had to face my entire party. And I'm like, Cisco might murder every single <laughs> person in this party. And and it, that's where it was. We were level four. And I was like, he's got all of his wild shapes left. Like, yeah. like this is bad. Luckily, we had a paladin that could turn undead. And it gave me like an out. I was like, thank God. I can say that the ghost is trying to flee. <laughs> You know, so it gave him out, but but if it would have went to the combat, it would have been a close fight, and he was him facing everybody.
3: You would have killed him, right, Sisko? I would have a hundred percent played my character. I played that ghost. <laughs> I would a hundred percent played that ghost, and I was, and I was going straight for the paladin first. Oh, I of was, course. I, well, that's, of course, he's the number one but threat strategy, to the ghost. It's battle strategy. Sure. Yeah. Battle strategy, and yeah. and like this, like it's like the challenge ratings are. It's so hard because ch- cause every class is different and they're all good at something, right? And challenge ratings are very hard to, to like use that challenge rating um, for every D&D group. It just never happens. If you look at Matt Mercer, he, he says, he's like, it, the monster's too easy. And I think that's what actually came out of all this is that this, this new monster manual that came up. I think it was because of him, because he, he came from Pathfinder. He's like, you are worried to die for the first six levels like yeah. you have to be smart and stuff like that. And um and if you look at have you seen any of campaign 3 yet? Oh yeah. So I'm fully caught up it's a couple episodes. Yeah. So, so you on. saw the first BBG and it yeah. had la- it had layer don't, actions at the Don't, uh, don't say anything. Don't I, say I'm anything. I have already talked to you about, I'm, I'm it <laughs> right. I am going to say the first yeah. BBG had layer actions at level 3 characters. It's like yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look what he that had to terrifying. do. Connor. Yeah, he had to
2: do this. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, and one one thing to I'll get say get their way out of that
0: situation, they couldn't just punch their way out, right?
2: Yes. So so one thing I'll say is, um, in my conversation with podcasts, a couple good DMs would always tell me, if you can make um, these uh, problems for players, like they have to they have to have a certain problem in order to do something, uh, it makes the game better. And I've, to elaborate on that, if you play rules as written, meaning the first level you roll for it, and that's the, that's the role you stick to. And um, you make them have the components that require components. Like, if it requires gold or it's consumed, make them have that. So what it does is, these complications, they don't make it, like, it's not, it's not intended to make it hard on your players. <clears throat> it's intended to get them to go into town and look at it and find another encounter. So they have to go to the shop. And then there's something weird about the shop owner. Like, what's weird about him? Well, it's, it's funny, it seems to be like, a zombie of some... They find something weird about it. It, You're you're adding these... They need to go do some other stuff. Otherwise, they just go into town, and they're like, well, I have all the arrows I need. I have all the components I need. Why even go to this town? Let's just keep going with the mission. Mm -hmm. So if you add these other complications, rules as written, you'll find you're not fluffing the story. You're enriching it as long as the DM can find things for that to happen. And a lot of those times where they're like... You know, a player will ask me, you remember like two episodes ago we ran into that shopkeep owner and something was weird about it? Like, what was up with that? And I'm like, you never know. I mean, you don't know. I'm not going to tell you. So now it's always something in the back of their mind like, wait, what was that? Like, what was that thing we ran into? And it could be nothing or it could be the BB, you know, it could be the big bad. You don't know. You don't know how it all ties in. But these complications will enhance the game, in my opinion, instead of hindering them by someone saying, oh, components. You're going to make me do the components? yeah I'm gonna make you do the components but not every component you don't need a component for anything except unless it requires a gold uh unless it has a gold uh rating or it's consumed like those are the only two and unless you're a cleric it doesn't really affect you that often Mm
0: -hmm. now we've talked we've talked a bit about um the power creep with monsters needing to be more powerful to challenge their players do you think that's kind of antithetical to this notion that as each new source book, like the major ones, your Xanathars, your Tashas, the subclasses seem to be creeping in power up as well? And are you afraid that maybe this power creep for enemies is only up to match the power of those extremely powerful classes, your Circle of the Moon Druid, your Twilight Cleric, etc., Divination Wizard even?
2: Yeah, I mean, I can see that. There's, I mean, there's always going to be a. Whenever you incorporate more options, there's going to be balance issues. I guess. I mean, it's hard to keep it super balanced. Um, but like I said, the more and more I read the rulebook uh, for 5e, the more I go back to stand. Don't like. I go back to standard array points. I go back to not giving max hit points for anything. Um, if someone rolls a 1, right now my rule is if someone rolls a 1, it's a 2 for hit points. Um, but if you just go back to rules as written and, you know, they get two proficiencies or whatever they want. Um, or depending on the class or race. I know they changed it with one of those. Mm-hmm. But if you just go back to rules as written and don't, don't change anything, levels 1 through 6 are still going to suck. It's still going to be difficult. It's still going to give the group, like, oh, man, like, we, you know, we have to run a lot of the times. So then when you get to levels 10... You know, twelve, then you kinda of reap that reward. But then that's when like layer actions come in. So I think it's relatively balanced as long as you stay rules as written, other than the circle of moon. Maybe a you know, maybe another a couple others I haven't seen, but um I think there's always gonna be that uh, that worry of balance for a DM as you get uh, with every single edition there is out there.
3: Yeah, and I think that's where we come in is that me and Steve have agreed that homebrewing <laughs> is just gonna be it's just gonna be a thing now. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like classes. Like, if I run a game, is that I want to run a game where uh, a campaign is that I want to run where everybody has their own unique homebrew class, where they want to think of something and be like, "This is what I want to play," because there are mm-hmm. so many options out there, and if everybody makes a homebrew class, they'll be way more in tune with that character. Interesting. And he and Steve runs homebrewed worlds. And he—he'll never. He said all the time he's never gonna go back to, uh, uh pre-written.
0: Interesting. I'm I'm s- starting up a campaign where I'm going to be running my first pre-written adventure with uh, Critical Role's call of the Netherdeep. We're doing one of the. That's a good one. And I've i just finished reading through it about a week and a half ago, and it, it's it seems very unique from the other ones that I've heard of? I haven't read through any of the other ones, but from what I've like flipped through and seen, like it seems very different, which is exciting.
2: Yeah, that that's the only one I will. Anything with Taldore, Critical Role, Alexandria. Um, if you've watched Critical, if you've watched one campaign of Critical Role, you have an understanding. Oh of yeah. It. You know what I mean? You have an understanding of Hupper Duke and all these places because you've watched it started. unfold.
0: We're <laughs> starting. You know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. Um. That, that's my only problem with, with pre-written those is is you have like, what if they go over on, in this continent? And you can read a page of it, but it's hard to understand it. So like the first thing I did when I saw that deficiency is I was like, I can't do that. I, so I made my own world Gorgonia and I said if I, I put weeks and weeks of writing. Like, if they go here, if they go this, they do that. Because I wanted it to be 100% legit. If they go here, I, in my head, I'd be like, yeah, I have like the last 10,000 years of history in this world. These people are like this. This is this type of dynasty. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Now, if you're looking at Tal Dore, anybody who watched season or campaign one of Critical Role can pretty much pick up a, the Tal Dore book behind you and be like, yep, I could probably run a campaign through. Oh, here. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that and that's like the only setting I would do that. So if if they wanted to do one, if I if my wife she she really likes Critical Role, so she said if I want to play a campaign, I want to do it in um, Exandria. I'm fine with that because I know quite a bit about Exandria. I kind of know the history behind a lot of things, yeah. and especially with the new series coming out, Calamity, it just gives you more insight on I'm it. I'm so excited for that. Um,
0: <laughs> that looks so good. so, so and Brandon I, Lee Mulligan. We, we joy to behold oh, as well. So.
2: He is. He is. See, my wife was uh, my wife was hating on him because I showed him some. I showed her. I'm like, this is Bradley Mulgan. He's gonna do this calamity thing. It's gonna be a big deal. And she was like, yeah, but it's not Matt Mercer. I was like, it, if if there's a second in command, it's definitely Bradley yeah. Mulgan. So then I showed her some some highlights, and she was like, yeah, it's not that good. The first ten minutes of the calamity, we watched it when I, uh, this last Thursday. She was like enthralled. She's like, this is really really good. I was like, I'm telling you like Brennan Lee Mulligan I'm so glad they put him on yeah.
0: there I think in, this is a bit of a sidebar I think in many ways Matt Mercer is a bit better of a storyteller where I think Brennan Lee Mulligan is just a more entertaining
3: DM he, he, he really yep. like you can that. see it in Brennan's face it's like Matt Mercer's a really good storyteller and he can, mm-hmm. he can play his characters very well that he's created in his world but Brennan You can see it like there's like a snap where he just enters that that NPC's mind and he's just going for it. And you have to have, he has a very special group uh, that are also strong personalities. Because if there was not other strong personalities there, he would be absolutely overwhelming to everybody at the table. But he's he's But everybody that he plays with is very overwhelming also. So it just collides really well. When it
1: comes to different DMs, I know I learned to play via YouTube of Matt Colville, Matt Mercer, and then eventually Brendan Lee Bulligan is kind of who I, I emulate when I try to run. Um who I know Cisco you said you wanted to start running a game, um and obviously Steve you've been running for a while. Who are your uh, who are your idols or your inspirations for DMing? Um
2: so obviously, I'm I'm a Matt Mercer fan. I think Matt's the goat. Like I just think he's the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think that, like if you look at some of the Critical Role campaign two I just finished, there's some characters who started with a theme in the beginning, um, like Caleb Widogast. And by the end of it, you you see what was going on, mm-hmm. and it's almost like amazing how they can bring a story arc to its full ability and end with it which as a DM is, is what I'm about but honestly one of my biggest my biggest inspirations is Guillermo del Toro. Mm, Alright. Um, right. Guillermo del Toro is an amazing storyteller. Blade 2 people always crap on Blade <laughs> 2 but if you look at that storyline awesome. look at that storyline of like yeah no it, I think it is too. Blade 1 is, is, is the best. I mean Blade 1 kind of cap, captured it for mm. me but if you look at Blade 2's storyline he decided to do something a little bit different mm. like And that's really cool. If you look at Troll Hunters, which is a show on Netflix, Troll Hunters is like the coolest storyline ever. Um, And if you read the books, you know, it's a little darker, but it's really cool. So if you look at a lot of stuff that that, um, Guillermo del Toro and Daniel Strauss from Troll Hunters do, they're huge input when it comes to like some things I write in the storyline. I'm just like, oh, you know, these things work well for me. How do I put it in here? So as far as like that, I I really look at a lot of writers you would see – um, you know, in, in real day television, sci-fi television.
3: And I, I would probably say I'm uh, I'm more of a Brennan fan because that's also probably because my role playing is overwhelming. Like one day I texted Steve. I was like, dude, am I just like an asshole or do I just, am I overwhelming? <laughs> do I, am I talking? No, he's like, dude, that's just who you are. And like you bring out the RP out of other people. It's like, just keep doing mm-hmm. your thing. But Brennan's more my, my he, I love his story. He's crazy. He's a crazy dude. Like mm-hmm really interests characters but also at a realistic point of view uh, out of all the DMs I've had uh, Steve is definitely the best one I've had and he's like as a realistic person that's only done it for a short amount awesome. of time this dude is dedicated like you, you you, give him the stage and he will perform as a DM like he like we got some stuff coming up and he's going to perform and I can't wait <laughs> Oh man! Have you guys ever heard of uh, Corridor Digital
0: Corridor. on YouTube?
2: No. No, we haven't. No. Um, they, what is that? They
0: were they're they're like some old YouTube people from like the days of like Freddie W and the they were they were like the original like VFX artists on YouTube. Uh, they have a the very popular series VFX Artists Reacts right now, but they have a.
2: I think I've seen that. Yeah, they
0: have a ga- they have a gaming channel from forever ago called Node, and they did a bunch of short run D and D campaigns. And the guy that ran that, Sam Gorski, was my first introduction to D and D, and he's he's not the the amazing DM that you would expect Brendan Lee Mulligan or or Matt Mercer to be, but he is like so down to earth and realistic for like the a- average everyday DM. And like, he doesn't really do voices really. All of his voices are just kind of like he just gets wacky and weird and uncomfortable with, and it's clear that he's forcing himself out of his comfort zone. And that was the big inspiration for me of, I have a little bit of a musical theater background, one musical theater thing I was in, I'm generally quite reserved when I'm in front of a group of people and having to perform. And being willing to step out of that comfort zone, and push yourself further than you think, and just letting other people kind of feed off that energy and build it up and build it up is kind of a big learning experience for me. Highly recommend if you if you look for Node on YouTube. They're short.
2: Node. Pretty good. Yeah, they
0: they have an entire uh, homebrew Pokemon campaign that they run or adventure that's nice awesome. that's awesome. The, is, that is awesome to get
3: like your how you said you were like shy and reserved um i think uh i was the same way for i still am like it takes me a little bit to come out but like it's like i'm trying to learn that snap get into your character just forget about it mm-hmm. and just, you know just have fun um the, our discord i'm playing one shots and playing you know all these unique weird characters i've been thinking of it's like that has got me past that and uh, the more I play the more I'm getting used to it and I'm really hoping that by the time I'm ready to DM that I'll be over it it's I'm done and over it I will just go full balls to the wall character voices and crazy and animated and you know like Mm -hmm. having real fun And like I don't have that big of a range of voices because of how my voice box is and I'm practicing and I'm trying to exercise it but I'm Mm -hmm. getting there
2: yeah, I'm actually one of the few people who I don't think voice is necessary. I mean, if you're good at it, like it enhances the game, sure. I don't think there are something that's 100% necessary. I think the description of a scene um, is far more, it can be far more powerful. Uh, you know, you're describing somebody dying and you're talking about, you know, uh, sweat dripping down and, and the pain that it feels just to stand up and you look over and you can see the blood pouring from someone. if you describe something really well, the description, the the your 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 PC's brains will just kick into like what they're visually seeing. Um, and then like certain tones, like if somebody's dying, you're not talking upbeat. It's more yeah. like long pauses, you know, deeper breaths, and you're just saying, you know, this is the last moment of this person's life. He looks to the heavens and sees God reach out to him. You have one final thing to say. What do you want to say? And if you say it like that, they kind of just fill you, your your group kind of just fill that that void if you want to call it that um and they'll they'll get like the, the uh nuance of how serious this is now you know matt mercer brendan lee mulligan Bria arengar they have great voices and it does enhance it but it's not like one of those things you're not a bad dm if you can't do it i can't do voices that good but there's sometimes when someone's dying or whatever you know, people are still tearing up. People are still very sad. It's, it's still a, you know an emotional thing, which is what you want in the game. If
0: you've, if you've seen the Undeadwood mini campaign from Critical Role with Brian W. Foster, he doesn't do a voice for like anyone nope. in that campaign at all, and he's just talking in his normal Brian Foster <clears throat> voice the whole time for men, women, monsters, like the whole thing. And it's still a very engaging experience because of the use of descriptions, as you were saying.
1: I think it would also be an yeah. experiment. You said how you said, yeah. If you're describing death, you're not talking upbeat. Just do an entire DM style where you're just the wrong inflection, like, and he just died. He just died. He has a knife sticking out of his chest.
3: <laughs> Wait.
2: No, I like that idea. I, I think anything interesting is is cool. There, there was the uh, Liam O'Brien did the one shot. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the one shot where he was like 5,000 years in the future, and they all played each other. Yeah. And he just had he just had a recent family member die, and he was just a monotone um, talking about that. And I was literally crying watching it because even though he's monotone talking about this, mm-hmm. the part where he's saying he's richer for having known each and one of them and then describing how he knew them 5,000 years in the past mm-hmm. is one of the saddest things I've ever seen, and it's just a monotone person talking. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely... You can definitely do very well, just the way you say something. Cisco, you said when you're,
1: uh, this, is, this is more of a life philosophy thing, but you said when you're ready to DM, you, ha- you said you have this idea. When do you think you're going to be ready to DM? What, what, what in your mind is going to say I'm ready to DM? Because uh, we are in your Discord and looking to play some games sometime. And, <laughs> and, you know,
3: everyone's always ready to DM anytime, if you just want to. Um, right now I am working with Roll20 I'm trying to figure out how that works and all that so the online stuff is what's holding me back to the one shots Uh, I've been working a little bit with them and I still can't it's just not my thing for that setting so I'm trying to figure out which one's right for me personally Um, and I think I will probably not use a map for the first time I DM a one shot because uh, I'm better at I'm not even that good at talking but I'm better at talking than I am uh, Theater you know, of the mind Theater of the mind is what I'm good at I prefer, um, I'm very uh, artistic so when I tell people that let's play a theater of the mind game some people are like, ah oh, gross and it's like, no, it's like I can picture everything in my head and it's way cooler in my head than it is yeah. you know, on, on the mat and uh like i when i like uh, steve we talked about earlier about t- uh killing things it's like i love killing things like if i'm the final <laughs> blow i'm like i'm like dt dd2 suplex off the off the rafters uh as a yeah. bit ba- in bear form and yeah, hitting an rko, out of, yeah, nowhere. RKO yeah. out of nowhere and that, actu- <laughs> that actually happened in a game and it was amazing because i cast i cast jump on myself and i turned into a bear so i was able the best use of jump ever the only
1: (laughs) use of jump ever so that's
3: like my type of thing is like i love theater of the mind and it really brings if you get the right people together it'll create it on its own and Mm -hmm. and that's the same way how it kind of goes into real life where i watch movies i don't i i have i don't I'm too busy to like sit there and watch it so it'll just be in the background and I in my head it's way cooler than it is on the tv screen so it's I'm fine with it <laughs> That's fair. but I'll be ready soon <laughs> just soon just, just soon yeah, I mean yeah.
0: it's fine I'm yeah. like I'm like kind of free so if you want
3: to yeah do... yeah you you want to you want to play one shot <laughs> <laughs> always um <laughs> you want to do charity and goodbye
1: Sure. So um, we, like I said, we popped into your Discord recently, and I noticed you guys have uh, a mentioned announcement. You have a connection now with Military and Veteran Gamings, uh, the nonprofit. Um, We'd be interested to just hear your thoughts and experience with uh, that charity or any charity and what other people can do to get involved.
2: So that's kind of the news we haven't been wanting to break, but there's, uh, and I'm not going to break it, but... There is something coming up with MVG that we're planning on doing. Uh, it's one of those things that um, when I was talking to a uh, guy from How to Be a Great GM, he was talking about challenging yourself. He was talking about those competitions, the DM competitions and whatnot. And it got me thinking, and I was like, you know what, what's like, a, what's like a, the next challenge for us? And we wanted to do a charity event, and we were thinking about it. And I texted the guys on the way home from Texas I was at. I was at a, I was like at a work convention. And I texted the guys, and I was like, hey, I want to do this crazy thing. What do you guys think? And Cisco and Chris were both like, dude, we have to do this. So we got with uh, MVG. It was Cisco's idea because we're all veterans. And um, we all think that this game has more potential than just playing Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this game is like one of those games that um, I have a podcast later on today with, with a, a woman who's like 70 years old, a grandmother, and she plays Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know. Um, and we have people in our group uh, uh, that are teachers that just play Dungeons and Dragons as a way to get uh, pre-teens involved that have anxiety. Um, we have Wences, the DM, who's bringing an all-Latino D&D session uh, to Twitch, I think, with an executive to a TV um, station. Um, so this, this this game is just one of those games where you can play with almost anybody that you m- might not, and you can get along with them. And when it comes to veterans and PTSD, and especially getting out of the military, when I got out of the military, it was a rough transition going from active Marine Corps to like civilian life. So something like this is a good escape to just play a character that you never usually would, or maybe it's something you've always wanted to play, or you wanted to, you know personality you always wanted to be, but you're like, yeah, I don't want to just project that, but I'll play it in this game. So something we really believe in. So for charity, we're going to do a, a live charity event. The news is coming soon. Um. And we'll, we'll be sure to break it to y'all when we when we find out. But we, right dude, now, it's just too early. We need, to, do we need to cut
0: that part out of the podcast. Or... No, no, it's fine. It, we it's just a charity <laughs> event.
3: You guys don't know what it is yet, but it like you can see it in our faces. Like we want to say it so bad, but we can't because it's yeah, not totally. okay. It's not 100 yet. Everything's not set yet. But it's it's it's, it's right there. So it's literally right for, there. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, I, I I think
0: I can speak for both of us so if you want any. Contribute, contributions, we would be happy to. He doesn't speak for both, but in this um, case, he's, he's
1: right.
2: <laughs> where, where are you guys located? What's your uh, origin? We're
0: area? like five minutes away from
3: Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, you're not even that so far. Southern Ohio, Northern okay. Kentucky. You're not. Yeah. We, not, we, we might have to contact you. Yeah.
0: Well, we can set that up. We'll. Set,
3: well
1: we're, out, we're, we're on the podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll worry about this.
0: We'll yeah. worry about this. Yeah, we'll talk. What well, your yeah, people sure. get
3: with our
1: people. For sure. yeah, we'll we'll have our assistant.
0: Yeah. Um, future me will
1: get yeah. future you and yeah,
0: perfect, <laughs> yeah, perfect.
2: <laughs> but one, you know what? One one thing we can tell you is we're going to uh, Chicago Con, uh, July eighth, and we're going to probably be setting up an in person game. We're going to stream nice. hopefully, um, and it'll be a two parter. So we'll we'll go to. We'll show up that night at ChicagoCon. We'll play a game, go to Chicago ChicagoCon. Um, we're going to meet – I want to meet Ashley Eichstein uh, who is a Tano in yeah. um, Rebels, yeah. Star Wars Rebels. Big fan. Um, also, um, Gina Carano is going to be there, so hopefully going right. to get a picture of Gina Carano. Right. So that's cool. And then we're going to come back and then play another session. So hopefully July 8th, 9th, 10th, that time frame, we'll have those two – uh, sessions done and out there. So you'll see, you get to see us play in live right after Chicago con. So we do have that coming up. We can, we and can actually,
3: I am DM in that one. So. Oh, yep.
2: very yeah.
0: nice. Very nice. Uh, do you
1: have any other socials or anything you want to shout out?
3: If we have anybody shout out? If we want, I have a list that we'll post
1: into the description.
3: Um, um, well, I don't think we have anybody shout out besides MVG right now. And, uh, you got anybody else, Steve?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously our channel, of <laughs> course. Um, Ro- Role Playing Degenerates on TikTok or RP Degenerates on Twitch um, and our podcasts you can find on Spotify, obviously Role Degenerates on there as well. Other than that, uh that's that's
3: uh, it i would have to say the main thing for us is please come into our discord and come play dungeons and dragons and come nerd talk with us everybody is very friendly there and if you aren't we kick you real quick so don't worry about it <laughs> i
0: mean i think our discord is a bit more friendly than your discord <laughs> but... and go to John, <laughs> go to dungeon rose's discord <laughs> and yeah that's so <laughs> <it's> fine it's <laughs> that, but well, thank you guys. Yeah, so much. This was a lot of fun. Very much fun. No idea when this will actually get posted. We'll probably, do, we'll probably do it as a standalone thing on our YouTube, just pretty much fully unedited. We might trim it down for the podcast just so it's not like three hours long because we tend to ramble quite a bit. Um, for sure. Yeah, we greatly appreciate it. And happy Memorial Day to our, to our veterans as well. And thank, and, you. Uh, thank you to Chris who couldn't, couldn't be with us today, which is a shame.
3: Uh, we'll I'll talk later um i know that chris brought up that w- we would love to have you guys on and let you guys be the talkers and us be the question question uh, we I mean, love to talk
2: yeah that'd, we, be, that'd be amazing we are
0: nothing if not willing to speak about ourselves it's hard to shut us up oh that's perfect then <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll schedule that Other, otherwise you know we appreciate you having us on talking about dungeons and dragons stores
1: of course well if you do guys go to if you do go, end up going to gen con we hope to see you there we'll meet up we'll yeah. shake hands in real person form it's eventually probably it, we'll
3: it's see. my birthday so i do plan on going so well there we oh, go <laughs>
0: excellent then we will definitely see you there
1: jester make a note to bring a okay. cake
0: yes um <laughs> in the meantime we're going to toss it to the future version of
3: ourselves to finish up to contest. do the all right Very good thank, thank you guys no problem